This is VC Projects Podcast, and today my guest is David Mather. In the past few years, he has returned to creative practices after having been raised and trained in and around the arts, but then embarking on a successful career as an art historian and university professor. Most recently, he has taught at Stony Brook University on Long Island after holding postdoctoral positions at MIT in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and the Getty Research Institute in Los Angeles. David has published numerous academic articles and chapters relating to his area of specialization, which is early Italian futurism, after completing his PhD at USC San Diego in 2011. David has also written on contemporary visual and sonic practices, color theories, and practices in electronic media. And also, I remember David curated projects in the early 2000s, which grew out of his years in contemporary art gallery world in Los Angeles and New Mexico. David, welcome. Oh, thanks. Hello. Thank you for joining me. Um, today, we're, I wanted to talk about your life um, as in the arts, um, your series, Calibrations, and um, your intellectual interests, fitting it all together and, and how we're here today. Um, and also briefly just touching on the slow art movement because I'm going to be featuring um, five pieces from your calibration series. So the first question I have for you, um, because you have a wide rate of interests and talents, is what brought you back to making art and how does it fit into your intellectual interests? Yeah, well... Thank you so much for having me, and it's really nice to get a chance to speak with you, uh, who you know we've known each other for more than twenty years, um, and um, to kind of chart uh, this this course, um, which you know I see this creative work uh, growing pretty naturally, organically out of my uh, historical research uh, mm-hmm. in an academic setting, uh, and it kind of goes like this. You know, I have worked with early Italian futurism and their color practices. Um, And, you know, I do have a book on um, early Italian futurism that came out recently um, with Bloomsbury in London. Um, But I've expanded my my scope to look at avant-garde creative uh, color theories and practices of mainly the early 20th century. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've collected texts and I'm even teaching an undergraduate course right now. So I am kind of immersed in color Mm -hmm. theories and practices. And uh, that's been going on for a couple of years. Um, And as I have thought more and more specifically about color, um, I've just wanted to work with it in a direct way. And you know, I do know about art making uh, with you know, a BFA at, from UC Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, it felt very natural for me to you know, work with color directly. Um, and I'm kind of um, also testing some of the ideas that I've been developing related to art making uh, now with um, physical materials. So it feels really good to be sort of back, <laughs> back with, um, yeah, just, just doing, doing the work. Yeah. I, I don't think you ever left. I think, I think you were just, um, 
entertaining and exploring other aspects of um, teaching. And I mean, I, I remember in LA when you did your sonic um, programming and things like that. I mean, you, you're always, you've always been an artist. Um, I don't think that's ever going to leave you. But, but back, back to this, um, I mean, you've, for this series, Calibrations, you've, you've selected particular materials, um, whether, I mean, when you're looking at color, it could have been anything. I mean, with your book that you just published, you explored sculpture and film and painting, but you've chosen, um, you've chosen a different route, works on paper. So how, let's talk about how you got there. Well, I guess, um, yeah, the, the materials themselves are um, really off the shelf. Um, and I like working with um, materials that are dry. So I'm not needing to mix in you know, binders and then clean brushes with um, turpentine and have the, the chemicals, which I have used in the past and I've had a bit of a reaction to. Um, so I really like um, just kind of the... Um, the ease of using color very directly. So I'm not waiting for, you know, paint to dry before I can put down more color. And so that appeals to me. There's something really direct also about drawing. You know, it's mm -hmm. sometimes it's considered to be, you know, an impoverished medium, <laughs> so to speak. Um, um, but there's something about that that's humble, which actually suits me for where I'm at right now mm -hmm. as well. And it's also very direct, and so I can, you know, test out some of my ideas like really quickly over mm -hmm. hours rather than days or weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that. I mean, you're a very physical person, so I can see just knowing these um, this series, the immediacy, the, probably the gratification of the physicalness of um, of just taking pencil to paper and just the intensity of drawing it out has some sort of like achievement and for each work and, and just visually looking at them they're they're just they're gorgeous they're vibrant they're intimate um there's this lasting quality which is why they were so appropriate to to feature for this slow art day on in 2021 um i'm really excited about that but before before we get into that part um what I mean, how long does it normally take, and and what part of the phases of creation are you, are you most excited about or most passionate about? Yeah. Can you describe, you know, your process? Yeah, love to. Um, well, um, I'll start with materials, um, just to give you know a basic idea of liking a contained workspace. So I can do this on you know a. Um, uh, table, um, much like what we're sitting at today. Um, and I work with um, a pretty heavy um, watercolor paper. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, I tend to um, tape off a work surface. And then, um, you know, I work with the, the pencils themselves and a sharpener, uh, a ruler, and then uh, a whisk brush and rag uh, because I really want to keep the work surface very clean mm -hmm. um, as I go. Mm -hmm. I clean of any of the dust and, and particles that, um, that are produced by really the pressure of putting this pigment um, 
you know, onto that surface. Mm -hmm. And I think some people might be surprised when they see them. Um, at least in the past, people have been surprised that they are colored pencil uh, because they look so saturated in mm -hmm. color. They, mm -hmm. they might, you know, be mistaken for a type of acrylic paint or, or something. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I was surprised myself. Yeah. So maybe I'm using colored pencils in a way that, um, you know, I'm just really, you know, really applying or pushing or grinding that pigment onto that surface. Um, and, you know, the work proceeds over, you know, some distinct phases, which, you know, I'd love to describe. Yeah, please um, do. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a preliminary phase of kind of taping off my area and selecting a preliminary palette, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually really enjoyable it's usually I'm sparked by some kind of a color combination mm -hmm. that I just want to work with and I literally take notes on just colors that I think might work well together well I don't really know until I select the colors uh, and even then uh, you can't judge from the color that's on the outside casing you actually have to you know put them onto the paper to see sure. what <laughs> the actual pigment is um, but in an initial phase, I have found that putting neutral tones down first actually really helps. So, mm -hmm. you know, even if there's a, a you know wide range of tones, I tend to go towards the middle tones first, um, and then thereafter, I usually, depending on you know the kind of composition I'm working with, I go towards a brighter or more dominant colors, and um, and that you know can either be you know in a fairly constrained schema we can talk more about that in a bit if you want um, or you know kind of more complicated patterns um, but there's this moment that usually happens about midway through mm -hmm. where I evaluate the, the progress really give it uh, some time to breathe and in a way tell me what it wants yeah, yeah. and then I usually augment my palette with colors again testing to see how they look next to the other colors but then uh really developing the composition and the color combinations um from there um and so that reevaluation process is is really fun because i kind of try to give over some of the agency to the work to tell me what it wants um and then you know i i will point out that usually the the last colors that i apply are the 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 brightest highlights mm -hmm. and the darkest darks and I have found that it works best if I do those last because uh, the lightest lights can uh, get specks of dark in them if I'm not mm -hmm. careful and then the dark hues um, they produce the specks you know like mm -hmm. literally a kind of dust and, and particles that are more difficult to contain and so I find putting that down at the end I can just really uh, you know keep keep it clear, mm -hmm. uh, keep the surface, you know, clean. And then just right at the end, I'll lift the tape and then spray fix. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I can be, well, um, for instance, on election day uh, 2020, <laughs> um, I didn't watch any media, uh, mm -hmm. uh, turned off phones and just worked on a drawing for eight hours. And that's, what I did and I did it in one day and it was a pretty you know big day yeah, yeah. <laughs> of work and also you know maybe historically but um but does it normally take eight hours or a few days or 
I think the combined uh, amount of time is usually eight to ten hours, and mm -hmm. that can extend to as many as three days. Um, yeah. Or if I'm, you know, motivated um, and really focused, um, I'll, I'll be able to do one of the larger works in in a day. So you know, eight hours. Um, and then I also do some smaller works that are not part of the slow art uh, event, um, and those, you know definitely happen more rapidly mm -hmm. um, so so like just immediately looking at the composition so do you start at the bottom do you start in the middle do you start at the top or where do you start right does well, it matter i mean and then also i mean it's okay so you've got to plan it out howard it's a bit spontaneous and immediate but also, because um, I'm big on rituals, what are the rituals that, because if you're doing it over a few days or three days, I mean, they're, they're, they're to me, because I studied classical cello, they're very much about music. They're, they're very intense. They're very radical. Um, they're exhilarating. There's so many different uh, descriptions that I see from them, but I feel like, you have to stay in that sort of mood when you're creating them, even if it's within three days, you know, and like when I, when I would, when I was playing cello, I would play five hours every day and the first three hours were scales and then playing on the piano. And then I had to sing the piece of music and then finally on the cello and I would spend three hours doing scales an hour actually practicing the piece, you know, the, the phrase of music and then another hour just doing improvisation because I was not planning on being a classical musician. I wanted to be more e experimental. So, so within that, when I look at your works, I see, I see that like, this is not something that you carelessly do. It's, and when I was, again, I can only use my experience not to be about me when I was playing, practicing, I mean, I couldn't eat before. I had to be completely open. I had to be available um, emotionally, physically, energetically to be with, with the music, with the sound. So mm. I'm wondering about you. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful description of a kind of discipline that, you know, you know me through music and you know, I, I do relate, um, I think, to that kind of um, routine or ritual, I mm -hmm. guess, as you, as you called it. Um, and, you know, there, there are the aspects of the process that do involve um, a kind of schematic approach, um, you know, because I have noticed that and I love improvisation, but I also notice that if I don't set down a kind of background, and that's really mm -hmm. what led me to put the neutrals, like set a kind of tempo or a mm -hmm. kind of key. Mm -hmm. in a yeah, way. that's what it looks like. They're, they're not, they're very focused. They're from beginning to end, wherever that begins. And it, it really did that question of me asking doesn't really matter 
but they they're very much um, a continued piece of music with variation yeah and um, you know I guess in an interesting way by analogy with music um, you know the nature of color um, is not um, fixed mm-hmm. like the way that you know a note um, in a scale a C yeah well you can define it um, but within a specific piece of music that C will behave in a very you know specific way in relation to the other notes that are played around it and so I'm finding with with color that um, that the the way that color behaves in relation to other colors which is you know akin to a musical phrase um, that it becomes very specific mm-hmm. and so I want to be present to that and I want to invite you know viewers to become more present to that uh, and um, you know it's kind of also wonderful I don't know if the analogy applies with musicians or not but you know at a certain point artists you know it's not about them mm-hmm. you know that's mm-hmm. like a really wonderful place to be mm-hmm. uh, when mm-hmm. I'm working where it's about the color it's about the material it's about you know, in a way, the moment of the time that I am present for, but it's not about me. Right. And so that's right. one reason why I'm pretty excited about the context of slow art for viewing these works, because I have spent literally hours with them, and I have kind of like abandoned myself to the possibilities of the color relationships in them. And so at least I know they work for me as a kind of meditative attention or mm-hmm. attentive focus, which again is not vague, you know, you know, imagine anything you want. It's actually extremely specific, like a certain color mm-hmm. has specificity. And um, anyway, I mean, we're getting into a, a realm that I really enjoy about color, mm-hmm. you know, which we can, you know, do talk more about the naming of color versus the experiencing of color but mm-hmm. um but yeah the the ritual of making them you know is is about a discipline uh and then those moments of improvisation tend to be best for me a little bit like in your practicing daily towards the end when i am tuned to the work when it tells me and I can be open to the possibilities embedded in the work that I wasn't, you know, initially thinking about. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, immediately, like the word that comes into my mind, are you a vehicle then for these, or a technician for these um, compositions to pass through you onto the paper for the viewer to experience? Do you see yourself as a vehicle? You know, I think that that is an elegant way of putting it. Um, you know, in particular, it seems like a way to also not make it so much about me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I think, you know, I am not inventing new colors like Eve Klein. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am using colors that exist in the world, mm-hmm. and I'm merely presenting them in a way that other people can maybe be open to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in a way, I'm a little bit like a chef in that respect. You know, yeah, they can be really great and talented, 
but it's about the ingredients. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so maybe I'm I'm good at selecting you know the colors um, to present, um, but you know at a certain point you know these wavelengths of light, you know the ambient light, um, you know they affect someone's experience and um, yeah hopefully hopefully it's a good experience. Um, yeah, but it does, you know, sometimes, you know, come through me and, you know, the other, the other way of thinking about it as well is that to have a plan and to just stick with it is also really helpful. Yeah, you know, you've like got to have a box. Music. Yeah, you yeah. got to have a box to, to, to stay within or go out or, I, I know that, um, you know, you gave me um, a composition last year and um i just adore it and i have it in a certain place in my studio and and i have told you this before that when i get up in the morning before i do my stretching and whatnot i I go over to it and i check it and i'm a big fan of ragas um indian ragas morning noon and night um and i i go over to it and i i just look at it and it kind of like it's I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I mean, maybe it's a bit of a ritual. Um, it's not a superstition, but I have this pattern of just intuitively wanting to go over to it and look at it. And I don't look at all the work. I have a lot of work in, in my studio by artists that, that I love and have given me pieces or I've acquired. And in your work, it's, it, it sort of, um, prepares me, fixes me, grounds me. And for Slow Art Day, um, for the viewers, what, what, even if you are a vehicle, what were you hoping the images might provoke or bring about? What sort of findings or discoveries would you hope for? Mm. You know, I like the question and I want to answer it, um, but I I feel like I need to give a little bit of background about why I've selected this kind of pretty stringent format of just the the lines. Um, And, you know, I settled on that um, mainly because I wanted to take out all symbolic references Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. or at least reduce them drastically Mm -hmm. so that you don't have associations with any forms and in a way particularly symbols Mm -hmm. and so um, you know I'd like to think Mm -hmm. that because they are non-referential and non-symbolic that there can be associations that develop with color that are not constrained by you know, particular geometric forms or other kinds of identifiable Mm -hmm. um, things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if people can bring themselves, you know, to the work and settle in a way their mind long enough to be okay with them not really being about anything but an experience of color relationships, then, you know, it goes, you know, that's in a way, it could be a high bar for some people, you know, in, a, in, a, in an era of, you know, quick, short attention spans. But, um, you know, the idea is, 
I mean, in a way, best case scenario with like yourself where you have a work and you live with it and it actually changes not only, you know, during different times of the day based mm -hmm. on lighting, ambient lighting or, yeah, you know, you flick on a light and it's a little bit more yellow than the daylight. And so mm -hmm. you see, actually, it will change the work. Um, and then... Of course, then um, over longer periods of time as well. And so, like, I really like the effect, you know, when I live with, you know, certain of these drawings that I will become attuned to a color that I wasn't, you know, the day before or a week before. And so, in a way, they change. And I, and I you know, the changes in myself are maybe also reflected in them. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's a process... Um, you know, that really privileges the, the material. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, they are tricky to photograph for that reason, mm -hmm. what kind of light, you know, mm -hmm. do, and ultimately um, the images that I feel comfortable presenting as part of slow art are a combination of daylight and incandescent, um, balancing the blue and the yellow um, so that there's no part of the, the spectrum in a given drawing that um, you know is being flattened by the light. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, it's a really good, really nice answer. Really nice, uh, um, humble answer. <laughs> um, well, okay. So let's go back to you though. And how does how do these drawings fit? You know your broader um, creative practices and and concerns and interests and, you know, back to what you need a, mm. as an artist, as a creative individual. Yeah. So the drawings are really um, exploring color relationships and it is a relatively meditative and, and humble medium. Um, and, and they, you know, the findings are, you know, in my experience of them, and I will also point out that some of the drawings that I've done, they just don't work in the way that I hope. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I want to let people know that it's not just like anything goes. Like there are some that I just really won't let out, you know, of the house or the mm -hmm. studio. Do you do you like? How do you abandon them? Do you burn them or um, <laughs> tear them up? <laughs> I guess. That's going to remain okay, my okay. own uh, proprietary information. Because they are an energy, you know. <laughs> it's true. I know. Is it, is it going to be like you know the 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 um, Buddhists that make the drawings that have to do a ritual of? So let's just say that yes, there is the ritual of letting go okay. of the works that are not. But I also you but, know, need to think about the ones that are really good. Yeah. As also. I need to let go of those as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that it's like, I, I just need to be okay um, with the works, but they fit into what I see as, you know, developing project with color and light. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've been, um, you know, working on some ideas for light sculptures okay. um, and with Great. some linear lighting elements, uh, multicolored also with um, stacks of, of uh, horizontal lines uh, at various scales Wonderful. Um, and then um, I also see how you know both you know the light sculptures and then you know 
informed by the drawings could, will, would also be mm. a, a key element within a theatrical production that I mm. am mm-hmm. working on in a collaborative vein. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, in a way, color and the possibilities of color as, you know, fulfilling some of the functions of, of maybe not necessarily ca- character mm-hmm. so much as situation. And, um, you know, I have a, a, a good, a close friend who works in the film industry as a colorist. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about and understand how color, you know, creates mood. But to some extent, it communicates situation, like mm-hmm. the, the situations that characters find themselves in. Mm-hmm. You know, their predicaments mm-hmm. in a way can be communicated by color. And so, mm-hmm. anyway, um, my broader that's that's really that's really true. That's really fabulous that they're I mean, doing people, that. People, some people look good in certain kinds of colors, and maybe are drawn to others or, or certain rooms. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, it also reminds me, um, you know, that it's not always about, you know, beauty and elegance per se, like Van Gogh, when he's painting the night cafe, wrote to his brother, um, Theo, that that particular combination of red and green and yellow um, just was, was maddening. And he was trying to capture this kind of madness mm-hmm. that he associated with this, this place, which would, to him, it was an all night cafe where, mm-hmm. pe- you know, pe- the indigent mm-hmm. would just sleep yeah. at the table sitting yeah. up. And he just felt that that, um, environment, you know, was, you know, like a, a particular condition, you know, not, not a very positive Mm-hmm. Uh, optimistic condition that these people found themselves in. So it's just, you know, color can be a range. It's not just about, you know, you know, butterflies and unicorns and rainbows, but it's about, you know, things that people are going through in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. I could see that very much. Well, I, I want to say that, you know, you did, I asked you to write some guidelines about viewing the works um, for Slow Art Day in this particular group of five. And I want to say thank you for for sharing that, and and the the viewer can read that. Is there anything that you wanted to say, um, in particular, about your guidelines for viewing the works for Slow Art Day? Well, um, I think that viewing the works for the extended uh, period of time, um, it really does attune one or make one attentive to things that were there at first but just not as noticeable. Um, you know I would say that it works in the digital format or else you know I, I wouldn't have um, wanted you know the images to represent the works. Um, I do also find that it is you know a different experience on the screen than it is, you know, in, in person. Yeah, Um, certainly. Yeah. And, you know, if one can just simply suspend, briefly suspend one's habit of using the mouse or the, the trackpad to go on to the next thing, then one, you know, can possibly be open to, you know, the information, um, over, you know, a period of time because I think that's the thing is even images that you can you know strictly speaking get all of the stimulation all at once Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you're attending to all of the information that's actually there 
Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah, that's that's. I'm really glad you mentioned that. Um, I mean, we only we we only see so much. I mean, we know that animals see something differently than what we do, and um, it's really really true. And we, I think myself, I forget that and take that for granted. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to speak to you. And um, I look forward to more conversations about color and other things that you're working on. But um, this is really, really lovely. And thank you for inviting me to your, your studio in Los Angeles. Thank you for having me. And it was, it's been a great conversation. And I hope we can continue it Yeah, before too long. Yeah, good.